If you would open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1. And if you need uh, a Bible, there are some in front of you. If you want the particular version I'm using this morning, um, it is the uh, ESV. We have some copies and um, you probably have it on your phones too. Uh, (laughs) Because we have access to the Word of God in our country. Praise the Lord for that, right? Amen. So there's actually then I just say to you, there's no excuse. If you guys said amen to the fact that you have it everywhere, probably no excuse for you not to be in it. Right. OK, so that's that's just my pastoral admonition, because, you know, that's the way that has to go. <laughs> this morning we come to a text that um, is uh, for some, it's really scary uh, for some, uh, it's, a, it's a scripture that either is avoided from the pulpit because of controversial things in it, symbols. Uh, sometimes, even for us, we get caught up in what does this symbol stand for and what can I look at in the world today and say that this means this. We get caught up in that and we lose what it is that God's intention for the letter is for us. So my prayer this morning is that we would just be really super simple, really simple. I just want to tell you this, and I guess I could be done with this. Randy and I were talking this morning about a pastor who said, love one another, and then he went and sat down. That was the message. I could almost do that this morning. Jesus is coming. And this is his church. Belongs to him. It's Jesus church. He is coming for his church. And now we can be done. Right? Amen. We can be done, right? We could be done. And, yeah, <laughs> now I'm flustered. No, we could be done. But, um, but he's given us this as a letter to, to, to point us, to help us to see. Most of, our, most of our studies in most churches are from the epistles. And in the epistles, as we study uh, those things that Paul uh, mainly wrote, we see um, an earthly perspective of what the church ought to be as it looks toward heaven. Where we see in Revelation that is different is we see God's heavenly perspective looking into the church, looking into who the church ought to be and giving us insight into the fullness of his plan, the consummation of the gospel, uh, how it all sort of works out. But the thing that I don't want us to miss at all is we can get caught up in some details. But don't miss Jesus. Let's not miss Him. Because it's His church. What's being revealed here is Him. It's the revelation of Jesus. 
It is who Jesus is. And notice that it begins, it's who He is, it's who He was, and He is to come. Let's read briefly from uh, verses 4-6, through because I want us to begin with the greeting to the seven churches. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come, from the seven spirits who are before His throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by His blood and made us a kingdom, priest to His God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So, as I said, we can avoid this sometimes and just miss Jesus. But we have in front of us a letter to seven real churches in a real time. Approximately 95, 96 A.D. And the, and the church and the person, the evangelist, the gospel writer that we've been studying, John, were under heavy persecution for their witness of Jesus Christ. But this letter, in its fullness, is for the church today. It's for all churches throughout history. The church belongs to Christ. He was the purchaser by His blood of the church. He is the head of the church today. And he is coming to receive his bride in glory and in judgment. He is coming. Well, back 10 years ago, my family and I moved here from the coast. I can't believe that it's been 10 years, but it has. My big ones were quite little. It's hard to imagine that it was that long ago. And we had been in a great church. It was, it was a loving church family. We were fed the Bible every Sunday and every Thursday. Our church family gathered with us through trials and through joyous births of our two kids. We had great fellowship all week long with our church family. They would just pop in and bring us food just randomly. Hey, we want to have dinner with you guys tonight. And they would just show up. Um, and it was just, it was a real joy. Well, when we arrived here, we searched for that same kind of fellowship. And we couldn't find it. We visited probably eight churches. We went from McMinnville to Wilsonville to Gaston. We went everywhere. And in one such church, on a Sunday morning, we watched a presentation of the Wizard of Oz. And we were instructed from this particular scene in the Wizard of Oz how we were to live for God. After that, I would say that for a short season, I didn't go anywhere. (laughs) Well, when we left this one particular church, Heather asked me as we were walking out, are we coming back to this church? It didn't take me long. I didn't have much pause. I said, no. She says, and why not? I said, Jesus isn't welcome here. He wasn't here with me. It wasn't about him. It was about them. So we decided one Thursday to travel back to our church back at the coast. 
And we went to Bible study and went to worship. And we got in the car and we're heading back to Carlton. We're driving and I, I asked the kids, I said, what's different about Coastline Christian Fellowship uh, than our church back home? And one of my kids said, well, it's all about Jesus from the beginning to the end. And my wife and I said, my wife said to me, she said, Jesus is the difference in this church. Because we couldn't put a finger on what was different. What couldn't we, what didn't we get? What was it that we were after? What was it that made us feel like we were home? It was Jesus. It was Jesus' church. And the people of the body, the leaders, made it about Jesus. They pointed us to him. They sought Him. They asked Him to be present. And Jesus was present from beginning to end. We came home filled because we met with the One who loves us, who has freed us from our sin and saved us. So, here we are. We're back in Carlton. And we're still searching and looking for a church. My wife says to me, she says, well, what we'll do is we will travel 104 miles every Sunday. (laughs) And we will go back there. And I said, no, we won't. I said, what we'll do is that we will join a church in our town and we will be about Jesus. And we'll just stay and be faithful and we'll be about Jesus in that church. Even if they aren't even if that's not what it's about. We'll be about Jesus. We'll trust in Him. And He will reward us. And I will say this, that Jesus is the faithful and true witness of God. And that when we trust in Him, we see that faithfulness. And we see the reward of Him. So, I stand here this morning with you and I pray that as we look at Revelation 1 this morning, we would understand that because Jesus is, because He is, I mean, He's coming, but He is right now. Because Jesus is, that defines what we are about. We are about Him. He is here. He is with us. He is coming. Because He is coming, it's about Him now. I want us to get that. We have our purpose for the church. Because He was, we have our standing before God. And because He is a coming, we have our eternal hope. This is Jesus' church. Make no mistake. And who is Jesus' church? We're going to see in later chapters as we unfold Revelation. It is those who have ears to hear what the Spirit would speak. That's Jesus' church. Do we have ears to hear what Jesus would speak? Do we have ears to hear what the Word of God speaks to us? Well, we're going to see this morning that this letter, it also comes with a blessing. We're going to see that blessing in a moment. I want to live in the hope of Jesus' return. I think that if we were forward-looking, if we really are forward-looking, and we say Jesus is coming, and we believe that, and we really trust 
that Jesus is coming to rule and reign and that he's coming back for the specific purpose of his church. He's coming to get his bride. If we did, if we really believe that, what is he coming to find? What is Jesus coming to find and what will he find? What will he find in me as a preacher? It, will he find that I'm really good at this? I hope that that's not what he's after. I hope that what he finds is faithfulness. Not that he comes and he says, he sometimes is a knucklehead. Sometimes he just doesn't get me. But he's faithful. He's faithful to what I've given him. Could that be said of us as a church that when Jesus comes back, he find us faithful. He find us faithful in him. See, faithfulness is not about whether you're working the right things, whether you've got the right program and you're doing the right stuff. Faithfulness is by person, isn't it? Because we sang that song, you know, about the bride waiting for uh, the groom. What is it that the groom hopes to find in his bride? He hopes that his bride is faithful to him. That's what he hopes. He hopes that he, he finds his bride faithful to him. That's, that's us. That's the call, I believe, for the church, that he is coming soon. And when he gets here, will he find you? Will he find me? Will he find us as a body faithful to him? Have, 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 is he the center of the reason why we gather? Is, is, is it about making Jesus known? Is it about knowing him personally and making him known to the world, declaring the truth of the gospel everywhere we go because he is glorious and he is good and he is right and he is holy and he loves us and he has freed us from our sins that it is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. It's found in him. Is that us? Let's be faithful to that. Is that, is that, it's that simple. Have we made it hard? I think we often do. I think we often make it hard. And I know that even I, I sometimes I make it hard. So I want us to be singular in our purpose. And oh, that we would see Jesus. And that seeing Jesus, we would believe in him and have life in his name. That's what we want. We want to see Jesus. We want to believe and have life in his name. And we want us to point people to Jesus that they might believe, that they might have life in his name. All of this to the glory of God. In 1 Corinthians 3.11, it says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation. You know, we... Uh, had to sadly take down the church building. And as I looked out on the building, I, I thought of all sorts of spiritual metaphors. I looked at it and I said, maybe there were times in that building that we needed to repent and made it not about Him. Maybe we laid a foundation on some other things. And those things crumbled. But maybe this is an opportunity for us as a body. It says that as we move forward and we long to one day have a home building of our own, we don't maybe need to think about whether or not necessarily we will, in a practical sense, 
need to think about how it's built and the structure of the building and all that. But as we go forward, we say, no, we want to build this building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. That's where we want to build. We're building on Jesus and nothing less, nothing else, nothing more. We don't need to add anything to Him. It's Him. It's Him. So, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near." God is revealing in Christ the fulfillment of his plan in Christ for the church to John by an angel. This letter comes to us with a promised blessing for those who read it aloud, for those who hear it, and for those who keep it. And he addresses this letter to the seven churches. As you know, in chapter 2 and 3, he gets specific about these churches, but this would be the letterhead that covers all. So it's kind of, it starts out with an address that applies to all seven churches. And then he distinctly says, to this church, right, to this church, right. But overall, to the seven churches, to the fullness of the church, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, he writes, grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. He laid down his life for the church. As we noticed in verse 7, behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him, all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. It is Jesus who loves us. It is Jesus who has freed us from our sins. It is Jesus who made us a kingdom of priests, his God and Father. It is Jesus Christ alone that the church is made, that it was made, and it is to the glory of the Father by the Holy Spirit. It is Jesus' church. So as we travel through the rest of this text from verse 9 to 20. Jesus speaking to the church, giving us a picture of the fullness of what is coming. Verse 9, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna 
to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of God, son of man, uh, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, these things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, and the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. There's a picture of the ruler of the kings of the earth. It is a far cry different from the picture of our suffering Savior, isn't it? It's a far different picture. He is the ruler of the kings of the earth. Right? And we see fire in his eyes and a sharp sword that the words he speak cut to the heart. And yet, the words that he speak at the same time cut through our pain and our heartache and give us comfort and encouragement and build us up. Right? He is the king of the earth. This is who's coming back for his church. He has, he has these feet of bronze declaring judgment. He is, has the right to judge this Jesus that is coming. He has the right to judge all things, right? And, he's, and, and then here it is before him. John says, I fell at his feet as though I was dead. Is Jesus not worthy of our praise today? Is not Jesus to be the center of what the church is? This is the Jesus we worship. This is the Jesus that we worship. It's Him. It is He who comes in pure white with the flame in His eyes, with judgment with the sharp two-edged sword of the Word of God coming from Him, that what He speaks happens. What He speaks into existence exists. What He declares to judge, He judges. And it's right, and it's good, and it's holy. This is the Jesus that we, as a church, ought to be about today. He is the one that we are to be found faithful in, faithful to Him. Christ is coming and He's coming in victory. We live in the now reality of Christ's victory. Notice this nowness, this fullness of who Jesus is. It's, it's, it's what Ephesians chapter 1, 3 tells us. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him, in love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, 
making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Things in heaven are united around him now. He's coming to unite all things in him. And here you stand. You stand saved. If you are indeed in Christ, what can you count on? You can count on this. I have been given, secured every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I need to fear not the coming of this great Jesus. Jesus has saved me. I am his. He tells me that he guarantees me that I have all of these spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. If our spiritual blessings are in Christ Jesus, then what should the church be about? Who should we be about? We should be about Jesus Christ. And that's it. That's who we are about. That's who is invited here this morning. Do you feel like Jesus is here? Do you understand that he's here? Do we let the visitor know who comes? This is who we are about. We can tell you how we do things and this is our, our stance and this is the order of this and this is... We are about the person of Jesus. We would love it if you would meet Him. We would love it if you'd get to know His great love for you. We would love it that if you just confess your sin and turn in repentance to Him, that He says this. He says that I bought you long before the foundations of the earth. And when you turn to me, it's because I pulled you out of the fire. I chose you. I chose you to lavish my love upon you. I chose you. I, it's unrevocable. You can't do enough to get to me. You can't change enough. The spiritual blessings that are guaranteed to you, I gave to you. And I hold them in heaven. I am coming back to take you with me. When he comes back, what will he find? He'll find those that are so enamored with that great love that God has given to them, that they are living for him, that they are loving him, that they are doing their very best to love each other, that they're doing their very best to point their neighbors and their friends to Jesus Christ because he is what it is about today because he is coming, because he has secured for us all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. In him, of course, we have obtained... An inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Jesus is coming. So now, so what? That becomes the question. So now, so what? Jesus is coming. The church that focuses their attention on the Jesus that is, on the Jesus that was, and the Jesus that is to come, one who has their blessed hope in his return, this church remembers this from Titus 2, beginning verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, 
training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. And he ends this by saying, Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. It's the church who speaks these things. The church speaks these things. Jesus is my blessed hope. That's what we speak. Jesus is coming. I live in the hope of his return. But notice even in this text, it says he was, he is, and he is to come. Because Jesus is training us, he is training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. That's what we do now. Because Jesus is. Notice that Jesus was. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Do we believe that Jesus was? If we believe that Jesus was and what he accomplished for us, that it was complete and sufficient, that all of our sin was nailed to him on the cross, and that because our sin, our confessed sin to Him and our faith in Him and all of that was, and all of our ugliness and our unfaithfulness and all of the debauchery that is in each one of us, the darkness of our hearts, it was all pinned on Him. But because it was pinned on Him, that He deposited to us His righteousness and we stand now in the righteousness of Christ, and that we stand in this, that every blessing in the heavenly places has been secured by Him? If that's true, would we not long for Him to come? We see that that some will be pretty upset that He's coming. Right? Even those who pierced Him, He says, even so, come. That's what the church says. He's coming in judgment and right judgment. And there are those who are going to have to pay. Right? But what does the church say? The church says, even so, come. 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 And that's the church that says, I hope, Lord, I pray that you find me faithful. Find me faithful. So my encouragement to us is to declare these things. To exhort to rebuke with all authority and let no one disregard you because the truth is that Jesus is coming. My second thing is this. If we ever, as a leadership in this church, make it about other than Jesus, I hope you fire me. I really do. I hope that you get rid of me. I hope that you get rid of all of our elders if we make it about anything except Him if we make it about us, and if we make it about you, if we make it about you even, even if we do the things and we only do them because they please you, may you say, that's not right. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And then when he comes, he will find us faithful. He will find us those who have ears to hear. 
He will find us. And I pray that he does. Let's pray. Lord, would you at this time quiet our hearts and help us, Lord, to digest your word. Um, Help us right now to just quiet our hearts for a few moments and reflect on what it is that your word has spoken to us this morning.